the, the genesis of Color Creative was in 2014 when we decided that we were going to fund, produce, and develop these three half-hour comedy pilots by unknown creators, by unknown writers. And the whole idea was to say, we want to create a, a space that supports their voices, supports yes. the work. And so um, we couldn't get, I remember we shopped around, we tried to talk to some brands, we met with some people in Hollywood, and everyone was like, oh, that's so cute what you're doing. Yes. So um, Issa decided to self-fund it, and she was like, fuck it, I'm just going to spend my own money, and we're going to go and make these pilots. And so we did, and that was what the birth was of the company. And I remember being like, what are we calling this? And Issa was like, oh, I like the name Coffee Creative. In in this episode, we talk with Denise Davis. Denise produced several low-budget and digital films and currently is a producer on HBO series Insecure. She's also managing development for Issa Rae Productions and is the COO of Color Creative, which provides an access and opportunity for diverse and new voices. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Eves. Welcome back to the Creative Disruption, where we talk about everything that's disrupting the industry. And I'm joined by my co-host, Ricky Ray Butler. How you doing, Ricky? Doing great. So, <laughs> Thanks for the intro again. I the intro. <laughs> so I, I did a little uh, Twitter rant because that's what you do on Twitter, right? right. Um, and I was a little salty because I've been working closely with a partner manager at YouTube. And, you know, I made YouTube a ton of money and I made a ton of money and we had a great relationship. We'd meet, you know, a couple times a month, you know, and I, I thought the the relationship was a little bit deeper than what it was. And <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, you just wait, wait, wait. And, you know, we even met in person and I was even making recommendations of, you know, so you were to in the her friend boss zone. and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it was so friend zone. But what was really interesting was um, out of the blue, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm ready to meet up at uh, VidCon, you know, love to connect, go over a few things that, you know, things that I'm really concerned about my channels. And as you know, I have quite a few channels that we own and operate, you know, as a company and a, a lot in the kids space. And so I wanted to really focus in on one of the, these channels that bring in a ton of views. And I get this, um, n nothing. It was like crickets for a month. And so I hit another email. Hey, you know, I'd really like to connect. VidCon's getting a little bit closer. Crickets, nothing happened. And then it was like three, three weeks uh, later after that second email, I get this, dear creator, we really appreciate your, your, you know, your, your partnership, but it's time to and, move on. And this on. is from your YouTube contacts. This is from my YouTube contacts. And she said creator. It she was like, dear creator. Now, uh -huh. I, I understand the, uh -huh. the YouTube platform. I understand the partnership program. I understand that these partner managers are so overworked. Sure. And, and they have a, a ton of creators that they need to work with. But oh my gosh, like, like first off, I mean, there is technology to do a mail merge, right? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just like, dear Daryl, you know, and, and that's all I needed. But it sure. was like, dear creator, <laughs> and it was so generic and, and nothing happened. And I'm like, dude, like, I mean, what happened for the last three years of working together on multiple channels? Where was that, that relationship? And it was so cold and calculated. And I'm like, man, this is frustrating. So I did it. I did a little tr Twitter rant. And I did have uh, some people at at uh, YouTube reach out and just wanted to know what was going on. I'm like, hey, you know what? Partner Manor was unresponsive. And then, you know, for me, you know, you're, you're treating this like we're not really partners, you know, like I fulfill the purpose and now we're moving on instead of saying, hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. It's been great to see where you're at. You know, Have it's your time channel's to move gone on. down in views? Uh, no, no, mm. not at all. Not at all. In fact, I mean, they're up, you know, from, you know, from last year at this time. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it has nothing to do with that. Cause like what the partner program is, is basically it gives them the opportunity to work with new creators, bring them up to see, get a little bit more uh, access to some beta things, which I really love. I love anything beta uh, just cause I can test it out and I can sure. test it on a lot of channels and, and, and it gives uh, some creators to be able to talk to, um, someone at YouTube and kind of, you know, voice some things. And I went on every training and it's kind of odd because when I go into a training, they're like, oh my gosh, this Daryl leaves. And I do training videos on YouTube, you know, on another channel. And it's just like, you know, it's well, a little frustrating. Well, well, across, I mean, I mean, your channels, like how many um, subscribers do you have collectively? Um, probably 12, right around 12, 12, 12 million. million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it can't be because you're not 
a priority because 12 million is huge. Well, but, but I, I think YouTube's priority is, is something, um, that I think is a really, really important priority. They need to diversify, you know, who they're working with and, and bud the creators. I really think that's a, a huge issue and literally they don't have the manpower. Like, like seriously, how many, how many people have, um, across all their platforms, 12 million subscribers and, you know, billions of views. There's a lot of people that, that are doing that and they, I, they don't even have the manpower to do it. I think my only grief is this, is that, you know, when you're developing a personal relationship, keep it a personal relationship. I mean, yes, I understand business, but man, this is a people person business. And I can tell you this right now, Ricky, if there's any other platform that ever comes out, I will be the first adopter that will just jump on it, you know? And, mm. and I think right now Facebook's great. It's getting opportunity. Are you on TikTok of, yet? I, I do have some TikTok stuff going okay. on, but it's like the, the thing that's interesting is when there's a viable competitor and then right now there's not because everything's feed driven and when it's search driven and makes it easier for, for people to, uh, to find content, that's, that's when I think a lot of creators are going to exit for sure. So, right. Well, no, I agree when, when there is a competing platform that, you know, there's going to be a lot of creators that will exit. However, it's going to be very hard, I think, to compete with YouTube. I mean, they've been paying partners for I, over a decade now. When, I, and when everyone else is, it's kind of like Facebook, they're just all like kind of dabbling in it. Yeah. And, and so, so I, no, I, I believe that, but like there, there's a lot of complaints out there about YouTube and the YouTube platform. But... A lot, no one has a solution of what, what I mean, what they're going to do. Yeah. Because yes, they can prioritize other platforms right now, but there's no way that they're going to monetize to the level that they're monetizing. Well, maybe with merchandise they can, um, as well as with sponsorships. But when it comes to you know, you know, the YouTube partnership program where they, they have the, the 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 rev share, that that I, there's no competing. So platform. one 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 hundred percent agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Like, okay. Like. Like the, 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 um, platform that I feel like is going to come into it is, is Amazon. Now, sure. Their, their video platform right now just is horrible. Like it's horrible. Yeah. But, but Twitch is killing it. Well, but and there's they, a lot of people making a lot of money in, on But Twitch. they own Twitch. Mm -hmm. And how hard would it be for the engineers there to clone Twitch and to create something, um, that's a little bit closer to what we know as YouTube, you know? And for me, I, I, I'm more interested with that because of all the integrated stuff. And you should be too, because mm -hmm. you do all integrated brand deals, oh, right? Yeah. We, so it's just like, oh, you Twitch. see those sneakers right there? You can buy it right now. And then I get a percentage. I get a commission on anything. Plus anyone that subscribes to me, how they do Twitch, you know, we could actually get five bucks a month. I mean, that's huge when, when you're talking these types of numbers. And so, you know, there's a lot of transactions. And one of the, one of the uh, tactics I did a long, long time ago uh, was for the piano guys. I don't know if you remember yeah. when I worked with them. But basically, uh, I tried to get them with all my heart to go and only get their music on Amazon. And they're like, no, we want to be on iTunes. I'm like, dude, like, seriously, we can make a ton of money if we go to just to, to Amazon only. And they're like, well, why would we want to do that? It's only 99 cents. I says, yeah, it's true. But I can put this a little affiliate code that goes on and then anything that someone buys anything that they buy you know we can get a percentage of so they didn't do it completely they, they decided to go on itunes we still made 30 grand without selling any music on amazon <laughs> because people were going on we had a we had a uh a, a video about cello wars it's like a star wars like you know parody type thing and people were going on and buying chewbacca uh, you know, costumes for 800 bucks, you know, and some people were buying refrigerators <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Amazon affiliate link. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I think Amazon is definitely, um, a contender if they decide to do it. I think they're positioning right now to do it. Um, you know, they're getting really, really, uh, um, connected with influencers that the influencer program sure. is two years old. Sure. Um, and they're just kind of branching out, but I, I know, and I think they're learning a lot from Alibaba. I, Alibaba. Right. Makes hundreds of millions a year. I, I mean, and a lot of that's doing rev share with, well, sorry, billions a year. Yeah. And a lot of that's doing rev share with creators. Yeah. And they just, the, the Amazon just uh, introduced the live feature so you can mm -hmm. live stream and feature your products. I mean, mm -hmm. QVC could be happening, but I, I, I think you're right. It's like you have to have something, you have to have a platform. 
Um, but you also need a diverse set of creators because it's like if creators will come, their audiences will come. That's where the so, eyeballs so, will be. So are you seeing a, a trend of creators leaving YouTube indefinitely and, and, and finding other revenue sources? Because I'm not. Well, and I think there's a lot of talk about it, but I don't think it's going to happen no, like I, anytime soon. Well, it, 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 I do see creators monetizing on other platforms sure. and they're not putting all their eggs in the but, YouTube but, basket. But if they're growing on another platform, let's say if they get huge on Twitch or if they get huge on Instagram or TikTok, the plan is always to end up on YouTube or eventually creating long form content and, you know, getting on, you know, a, a, an SVOD platform. Um, but right now, I really don't think there's, when it comes to independent content creation, anything that's competing really strongly with YouTube. You have right. Twitch. Twitch is doing awesome. In, but in it's its a own, fraction. Yeah, but it's, it's in a its fraction own niche. Of what YouTube yeah. is. And it is niche. It is yeah, yeah. you know gaming for the most part. Bob Ross, dude. They had a Bob Ross Marathon on there. It was like one, <laughs> one of the most watched live streams ever. But anyway, mm. it's true. And I, I, I think so, that, so are you trying to find other solutions I would, because of that because I would of that um, breakup letter I would that invest, was generic. I would invest millions. <laughs> Yeah. To be in the right in the right one, and I think it could be blockchain. I don't know. There, there's a lot of options well, out so there. So there's a lot of creators out there saying, "Hey, I am now going to be doing this well, blockchain platform." I, I think they probably get a big increase up front, but I don't think there's anyone that's sustaining their growth with a blockchain yeah. platform. Well, which, I, I, which, by the way, I'm a huge believer in well, blockchain. Of course, like I know how much crypto. You, well, I don't know how much crypto. Man, you're always yeah. buying it like no, candy. I, I, was, no, no, I was on. I was early on. Uh, you know, I, I should have sold last. Well, was it last year? Like two years ago? <laughs> yeah, two years. I would have been very happy, but you know, I ended up losing a lot yeah. as well. But but you can write that but, off. But but way. no, I, I believe that there's going to be a day where a content creator or a producer or, or, or a director will be able to use a blockchain platform and say, hey, I want to do Star Wars my way. Yeah. Or I want, oh, okay, that, that might be a little more difficult and complicated. No, someone actually but, tried to do it their way and it, the video bombs. Oh, so. yeah, well, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but let's say like, they might like take something like Lord right. of the Rings or, right. or, or, or another you know, um, um, franchise out there and say, hey, I want to do this my way. Followers, help me fund this. And, and I think there's going to get to the day where where people can go fund it. They're actually going to invest in it through blockchain, absolutely, and and raise their hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's when content is truly going to be decentralized. It's already yeah. decentralized today, well, I, but that's when you know the, film studios yeah. and TV networks are really going to be. Well, well the scared. writing's on the wall because, um, and this is this is really interesting because we of our guest today, and I can't wait to to chat with her for sure. But yes, yeah, so we got we, we got it. But I got to make this point. This is a, this this is a, a really this is a long this banter, is a, but this is a really <laughs> really important point. Right. It's like when when platforms are telling the creators what they can and can't create. And they say, oh, you can't create that because that's breaking whatever. And they're creating new terms and stuff because it's not advertiser friendly or whatever. That's when you have a huge disconnect. Because like what I believe and what you believe are not always in line. I mean, we, we, we debate all the time. And on, I'm usually on right. <laughs> You're so far from being <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, that's I think that's a huge thing. But also, um, I, I, I truly believe that uh, a lot of these corporations, um, they take creators for granted um, and they don't really the, they don't really understand the influence that they have. And, and I've seen creators crush companies, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in a good way and then also in a bad way. Sure. And and for me, it's like the the creator is the gym, you know, and, and wherever they're, they're creating content and however they're using their creativity, the audience is going to follow. Sure. And, and whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Amazon, Twitch, you know, Instagram or HBO, that's where they're going to well, go. Well, I think we have a perfect example of that. I mean, we've talked yeah. about how, you know, the digital creator world and the, and the traditional creator world are clashing right now. Right. Um, and um, we have with us today Denise Davis, um, who is the producer of Insecure as well as the co-founder of Color Creative, um, and and she has been a pioneer on both the digital side, but has also been able to take um, successes with digital content and apply it, um, you know, to other platforms like HBO. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thank you guys hey, so much for having doing? me. I'm doing well. I'm very much enjoying your banter. I have so many thoughts. And, was, and you were right. I, I, you know we, I wanted to chime in. I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, please let us know what you think Daryl said incorrectly. <laughs> there's a lot of things. Absolutely. Was everything was thought provoking. What are you talking about? It was amazing. Listen, so, so she's 
an OG YouTuber, we're going to agree a lot more than you. <laughs> hey, I was the one around then doing all the deals. Okay. You did like, bring people you, money. You guys weren't making you money. You just never brought me money. That's the problem. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Sidebar. 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 You know. No, but we're really, really grateful that you are able to come on. No, and thank you, guys. Uh, could you just take a minute and share with our audience a little bit about yourself and kind of give a little bit of background? Yeah. Uh, I'll do the spiel. Um, so uh, I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, born and raised. Um, awesome. I got into video production in high school, so um, we could talk a lot about that because I think it has a lot of my ties to digital um, because we're talking about 2004, um, back when... Uh, HD cams were going away and everything was becoming on <laughs> SD cards. Um, but I got into video production in high school. It piqued my interest, decided to go to college for film, which I didn't think was real. Uh, went to Brooklyn College, majored uh, Brooklyn College, uh, CUNY in New York, uh, majored in film production, minored in TV radio, had 12 internships, knew I wanted to be a producer, uh, so I just hustled. And I came to LA to attend AFI, the American Film Institute, uh, where I got my master's in producing. Um, and I came out of AFI in 2012 which is when I saw the rise of digital happening while in all these six years of film school right. and seeing the industry change. Um, I was in film school during the 2008 writer's strike and, you know, coming out of grad school right on the peak of the wave of digital and um, decided I was going to be freelance producer because why waste my time going to be an assistant because I came out knowing how to make things. Um, right. And so I met Issa Rae, produced Awkward Black Girl, translated it into Insecure, and there's a lot of stuff in between there um, in my freelance years um, because I mostly stayed in the digital space. So there you, there you go. There's my, okay, my, so, my, so if my I get this right, two minute spiel from, <laughs> from Vegas to Brooklyn, yes. from Brooklyn to LA. Yes. Those are pretty extremes. I mean, well, I say, oh, Vegas has no culture. So New York <laughs> definitely helped me, um, excuse me, uh, definitely helped me mature and, and learn a lot about the world in a place like New York city. Yeah, um, yeah. and then, you know, for me, I was always anti LA. So I was like, I'm not, I can't I'm never going to move to LA. And then Obviously, I was like, I kind of have to move to LA. Yeah, it's where the work is, right? <laughs> it's where the work is, where the opportunities are. Well, really cool. So what was like like an aha moment for you? Like here you're coming out of your master's program, you know, and you've got a lot of of schooling, you know, in the industry. What was your aha program where the industry was going? Because it's like it was clashing at the time and there's a lot of people. Um, you know, big broadcast studios mm -hmm. that were trying to pull things back mm -hmm. and you had independent creators trying to create their own stuff. Like, yeah. When did it like click for you? So I never talk about this, um, but it's on my resume somewhere. But um, <laughs> um, so in, in, uh, in fall of 2011, we were talking about um, uh, the YouTube channels, um, creating 100 channels, right? And, and investing $100 million. Right before that, about a month before that announcement went out, I got hired, I met a guy who had hired me to, to, um, produce a short film from a client of his, and he was a manager mostly with um, social media influencers. And this is 2011, so wow, the, the early, term yeah. is very, very early. I don't even know if he called it that then, um, but one of his clients was actually Michelle Fawn. Got it. And at the time, you know, in 20 this is Richard Fries? Yes, that yeah. is my guy. I love I Richard. I remember him. Yes, yeah. he's a he's a really good dude. Um, and we he's somehow, not doing the same thing anymore. Right? No, he's not completely yeah. completely out the business. But we we had met early on, and we kept in touch. And finally, he called me up and said, "Hey, I have this thing, you know, and and completely trusted me still in grad school, but said I need a producer to do this short film for my client." And honestly, my introduction to Michelle was through Richard because I didn't know. I was like, "Well, who is she?" And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, she's like." you know, millions of views on YouTube, all these makeup tutorials, but she had wrote a short film and she wanted to direct it and be in it and, and for her channel. And it was very revolutionary at the time, especially for her because um, she was a YouTube creator, not known for doing that kind of content. Mm -hmm. And so he needed to pull in someone who could produce scripted. Um, and so I came on board and did this project with them. And, and they had actually, the money used was from a brand sponsorship and uh, we shot it in a day and then it was a great time. But I remember sitting down with him and he's the one who actually tipped me off and said, yeah, you know, you YouTube came to us, they're trying to do these MCNs and trying to do these channels. And that was really my aha moment because I'm on set, I'm with this YouTuber who I'd never heard of before. But then <laughs> once you're, you know, once you discover them, you're like, holy shit, like they have an audience, like they have influence and power and an audience and these eyeballs. And that was after, especially being at that point five years into like film schooling, um, just this this awareness that something else was happening, right? And not really sure like what it is, but it's it stayed with me up until six months later when I'm graduating and all my all my colleagues or all my um, fellows were like, yeah, I'm gonna go apply to this job, I'm gonna go work at an agency, and I was like. 
I think I'm going to go and produce in this space. <laughs> um, I'm going to do this YouTube, YouTube stuff. stuff. Um, because I just saw that there was money there and influence. And again, yeah. just these creators. There's with, demand for producers. Yeah, the, the band was for producers. And mm-hmm. that was the thing is I was basically a skilled line producer. And so right. I also had uh, seen a couple of my other um, fellows a year before me go and start doing work with Austinists. And so you just see this 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 shift happening. Mm. And very slightly. Again, we're 2011, 2012 are, are really the early days. Um, and mm-hmm. early days because it only really lasts two, three years right. after that. But mm-hmm. um, but that was the moment that I just knew something else was happening. And and you could see, not the resistance, because I think it's interesting when you talk about the industry, um, that it came from an investment from YouTube, right? Like they right. knew ahead of everyone else because you didn't see the convergence yet of real money being spent. Right. The studios mm-hmm. weren't the ones putting down that money. It wasn't brands. It was YouTube saying, well, we're going to reinvest in our creators and we'll kind of prove a point to people and, who are looking at it. And yeah. YouTube, like... And to their credit, they don't necessarily talk about all the money that they give to, you know, building up the platform. And that was like a huge investment at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it created a lot of 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 buzz um, with people. Hey, we can actually make money. This is like 2011, you know, when the the partner program was just really getting Mm -hmm. adopted. And then in 12, when it was opened up to everyone says, hey, look at this. You can make money and you can do integrated brand deals and you can have this partner share and so on and so forth. But they do that around the world. Like right now, they. They have an effort um, like in Indonesia and mm-hmm. and in um, you know Asia to uh, fund creators for a year to employ them for a year <laughs> to create content so they wow. can actually get enough money to do it and it's crazy. It's, and, but it's but so they, smart. They never talk about it and that's there's a lot sure. of good things that YouTube doesn't talk about. Yeah, that's one thing that it is that they they do a great job seeding creators mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to help build the platform in the areas Abs- where they're weak. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and people don't realize it's it, it's what started or kind of launched a lot of the MCNs that later got sold for billions of dollars, yeah. right? The Machinimas and, and the Awesomeness TVs and like all of these or companies. Or close the doors. Or, the, <laughs> <laughs> or close the doors, exactly. That's another uh, subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's kind of was their seed investment in some ways and they were able to kind of capitalize and build from there. So, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's very interesting like how you like stumbled into the space. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know, I, I remember those feelings of like, okay, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. Um. I remember browsing YouTube and just thinking, why are all these teenagers getting thousands and thousands of views? This mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. All they're doing is just talking to the camera. Like, yes. What in the world's going on? And and then, you know, I, I had a very similar experience where, you know, I started dabbling or I, I tested it and it's like, whoa, this really works. Absolutely. Well, so, uh, God, I, I never want to say this on, on a podcast. Yeah, but, but guess uh, what? It's being recorded. But, okay. right now. <laughs> um, but to your point, when I was in college in New York City um, in about 2008, a friend of mine, this is when MySpace was the biggest social platform. This is right. prior to Facebook. I think I had a Facebook account, but wasn't really on it. Um, Facebook was for the cool people back then. Exactly. Well, it was like very like, college-focused. Um, MySpace yeah. was like, it, it got me into coding and all these things. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but my friend and I, we created a YouTube show that's Similar to that, it was just the two of us talking in my bedroom on the computer and just talking about our days. And we initially and that was on used, YouTube or was that on it was MySpace? on MySpace. Oh, we okay. used MySpace video platform, and we would get thousands of views and a lot of comments. Like we actually had a little MySpace following, and we were like, "What is this?" And exactly, and we had uploaded one video. I think the first two episodes on YouTube only a few months later. And I joke now, and I'm always like, "Guys, if we were just smart enough and just use YouTube, <laughs> we'd be YouTube." Crystal ball, <laughs> to see where yeah, things like, are going. Like, I was like, "I'd be a YouTube star." Like what am I talking about? But it was it was just fascinating and, and not and, and not doing it intentionally as, as much as it was just experimentation, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, there's these video platforms, we can make videos, put them out there for our friends to watch, and you just hard, didn't know what was gonna happen. It was hard to know, you know, how to monetize it, especially for you know, from the perspective of creator back then. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I mean, is it is it is this just a fun friend project mm-hmm. or is this a business that you're building? Well, and that's the thing, is because it hasn't been done before. I don't even know if you were thinking about monetization unless mm-hmm. you were getting the millions of views and being right. like, wait a second, like what like okay. how do I make money off of this? <laughs> because initially people were just doing it. Like I remember the Chris Crocker videos. I don't yeah. know if like, oh, those yeah. are one Absolutely. of the first the shoes like yeah. music video, like those are one of the first early viral videos, and people would be like, Hey, look at this have you seen this and like those early like viral um annotations that were like 
nothing. Like literally just someone being like, I don't know, let me let me cry in front of a camera about Britney Spears <laughs> and tell people, you know, how I feel. And, and it resonated with people in such a way. Um, and it just, I don't know, it, it really was the beginning of the decentralization, I think, of, mm-hmm. of finding what it means to create content that relates to other people, right? Without right, the filters right. of a studio. Now, now here's, a, here's a question, and I, this is something I know a lot of uh, producers, when they've gone through school, especially getting a master's degree, yeah. <laughs> I would do is just I like, you see the, <laughs> the handheld shot with a phone mm-hmm. and it's all shaky, you know, mm-hmm. but yet it still works. Yes. You know, and was that hard for you to, to, to see that transition or um, not really? I mean, especially not now when I look back because um, I point to awkward black girl. Um, I wasn't around for season one. I came in in season two. Um, and when I've done workshops and, and talk about producing for the web, one of the things I use as an example is if you look at season one, episode one, um, she didn't have any money. She had a friend hold the camera who had never held a camera before. And you see the quality of those first three episodes before she raised money on Kickstarter to have a real budget and a real production team. Those first three episodes was just her friend, like no boom, right? And so very uh, uh, subpar quality. However, um, it related to people, right? Yeah. Like that first episode is what went viral and what started this web series. And so mm-hmm. when you look at that, you say, oh, you can like get around the quality if the story or if the, the relatability is there in some way. Um, and that was such a great case study for me because it was like, oh, like it was funny. You know, like right. everyone got around the look of it because you just, I don't know, like you, you, you kind of are deconditioning people to look at um, film in a different way where it's just like, okay, is it really about how it looks or is it about what you're watching? Right. You know? Right. Well, I, I think, you know, YouTube and a lot of the social platforms, I mean, really showed entertainment and mainstream entertainment what people really want. Yes. I mean, I mean, I mean look at gaming, look at beauty. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there was a, you know, short, short form skits. Like there's a lot of things that were just exploding online because no one else no, well, no, 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 no TV network well, was offering no, but, that the, the, the whole point was, is here you had people in the room saying, this is what we're going to give the people. This is what they need to watch. Yeah. And it, it flipped it on its head. And now mm-hmm. it's very data driven. And now it's just uh, like, no, it's like, it's more of this. I'm going to make content and people are going to gravitate to what they want to watch. Mm-hmm. Instead of you telling them what to watch, they're going to find what they want to watch. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that, that switch is, is key. And so, you know, I, I know uh, right now you have a series on, on HBO yes. that you're doing. Uh, I want to talk about that because yeah, that's well, really interesting. Before we go there, what was the evolution from YouTube to HBO? Oh, wow. The evolution. Um, so uh, 2012, we started season two, um, which was funded by I Am Other, which was Pharrell Williams' YouTube channel, which got money from the YouTube investment. Right. So look mm-hmm. at that connection there. Um, and so we dumped a bunch of money into season two. Um, the finale aired in February 2013. It did really well. And at the time, um, the first show Issa actually ever developed was a pilot for ABC Studios with Shonda Rhimes. Um, and she had developed it in the traditional network's like development uh, season pilot. And um, it didn't get greenlit to pilot. It actually, we'll come back to this, it's what started Color Creative was that her experience in the traditional model. Mm. And she came back to me and was like, uh, that shit's trash. <laughs> uh, it's very archaic and old school, and I don't understand why they develop shows this way. Um, and uh, HBO called her up and said, we heard that you're free now. Do you want to come in and pitch something? And so she pitched them Insecure in April of 2013. And it took uh, two and a half years from that point of her just writing the pilot script with Larry Wilmore and waiting, hoping wow. for a pilot green light. And so there's this this dearth of, I'd say, um, about three and a half years uh, where Issa just kept creating content and just it would call me up and say, I wrote a sketch. Can we do it for 500 bucks? And we go and shoot it on a Saturday. <laughs> um, we did a few other web series, some other uh, YouTube channels that were funding uh, content and just kept creating content. This is my freelance years that yeah. I spoke of before Insecure um, really kind of got off the ground. And so um, I will say, though, once it got greenlit to pilot, it was just nonstop at, from that point forward. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. And, well, and visionaries. I, I mean, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Waiting on for like the big opportunity to happen, but you just had to keep working and keep trying to make other yeah, things happen. Yeah, well, because you realize Hollywood is just slow. Yeah. Like you know, like if you wait around for someone to really give you that opportunity, it's like it could have could have not been HBO. Could have probably been another network, right? It's the same way that initially we thought ABC was going to be like the big mm-hmm. jumping off point, and that didn't go the way it, it should have went. Um, and and rightfully so, though. Issa looks back and then always as talks about how. Um, 
she's kind of thankful that show didn't end up getting greenlit because when she took a step back, she realized it became something that didn't feel like it was her voice any longer. Sure. Right, right. And that's important because but, it led but, to but what that's, Insecure that's, was. I think that's a main point of what I was making earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like you have people telling you this is what you can do and this is what you can't do mm-hmm. create within these, you know, this Absolutely. Confines. And especially and for a network because advertisers oh, yeah. are all behind those broadcasts, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's just like, it's not mm-hmm. that they're saying like creatively, this is what you can and can't do. They're like, this is what our advertisers yeah. don't want. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it's tough, but then you go to HBO and they're like, like, do they even talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, HBO, uh, especially having developed them with the years now, they are so great creatively because they want your voice they want the the authenticity, right? They lean into, you know, people who have something to say and people who have a very unique perspective. Um, and it does feel like, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it does feel like an evolution of like the greatest version of what YouTube could be on a on a on a streaming platform, right? right. Or on a on a um, premium platform, I should say. Sure. And that's just because they don't filter. The only um, disadvantage I'd say is HBO doesn't program very often, yep. um, and therefore they have a lot of things that are in development for a very long time. And you know, I have a I, I wrestle with that because on on the positive side. Uh, um, you end up getting the best work, right? They really spend their time, like we said, Insecure was in development for two and a half years. They really spend their time making sure something is as good as it can be and is that spotless. They don't rush the process. And so you can't... Um, it, it, it's very different than YouTube when you're just right. like, let me it's make a video like, and it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, but man, like HBO, like for how long have they been around? Like they just keep winning. Yeah. And so, so it might be because of that process of making sure that they hear your voice and ma- making sure that it's something that you know, it, you know, is, is coming from the artist in a, in, a, in its purest form. Because if you look at HBO shows compared to a lot of the other like you know networks, HBO usually you know has more successful shows. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, it seems that way. It seems yeah. like they're it, it always, definitely, they're, they're always definitely popular a, shows. a contender there. I mean, and the, they're, they're the ones that came out with one of the first binge worthy, worthy shows, which was right. Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just look at it this way. It's like, there's, there's different goals, um, that, that people have. And it's, it's literally about the speed. I mm-hmm. do believe, I think that what's changing now is how fast can we watch it? Um, I know that Game of Thrones, like people were waiting between mm-hmm. between seasons to, to watch the content. Um, and they would have watched a lot more if there was more content that was given to them. And yeah. that's why theory videos on YouTube were exploding. Exactly. Because people couldn't get their Game of Thrones fixed. <laughs> <laughs> they'd either keep it's, watching the other so seasons no, all over again, or they'd go and just like go in those rabbit holes on YouTube exactly. and, and binge watch. Yeah. Exactly. That's what... <laughs> or, or, or those Game of Thrones facts, you know, profiles on Instagram. I don't follow those. But you know, but, I mean, I mean, is is one of those things where it created its own vertical yeah. Um, online. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think that's the thing is the pacing of getting content out. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, like, I, I think HBO is putting out some amazing quality content. I think uh, Netflix just throws things out and just, just spews it out. And every once in a while, there'll be some really, really good shows. But other than that, <laughs> you have Amazon that's a good contender now that are putting out some amazing series. But I really do believe, I, I do believe this in my in my heart, even though that I was ranting and salty against YouTube, is like when they can level up on that side in the sense of creating better quality content that's consumed more like this, um, like I think it's game over. Because mm-hmm. just the, the eyeballs and the visibility, um, if it's not behind a paywall, mm-hmm. you know, is is going to be well, just damaging. That, that's, you know, it's so funny. That was one of my biggest gripes with YouTube Red, then YouTube Premium, and then YouTube yeah. whatever. Um, and then it no longer exists. But was this idea that, well, I you know. I think it does, but this, it brings, they, they take your money. That's about it. I think specifically for, like, I think music and sports, right? Yeah. Like, yeah which like which is what they're we'll shifting what to, is, actually. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is where our audience is for that, that well, space. Well, so we'll do that. because. Ariana Grande that has over 140 million followers that doesn't make a lot of content. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a way of of leveraging yeah. those huge audiences. But see, but I was so fascinated by the decision because coming as someone who came up through YouTube, um, I kept looking at their space and saying, well, I don't understand how you're going to create a play a paywall for content on, on a channel that has always been free and that right. is primarily accessible and primarily used by um, a teenage preteen audience, right? Yeah. One of the biggest audiences they have is that that 
the 13 to 18 demographic, even as low as and nine. It's and kids, they're the ones right? that are going to go find it where they can get it for free. Well, exactly, because <laughs> they don't have a credit card. And the last thing I exactly. wanted to go do is say, hey, mom, will you pay for this? And they're just like, what are you watching on there? You yeah. know, because it's so, <laughs> yeah. um, it's so limitless. And so that was always my biggest thing where I was like, well, that's dumb. Because if you were going to do that, you should have done it at the very beginning. But no one knew that. Um, and I just thought it was interesting. But to your point, you know, I wonder, has YouTube gotten too big to be able to scale back and say, okay, let's let's figure out how to streamline or create a different point of access just for content um, to compete with the Amazons of I, the world? I, I, think they, I think they're smart enough that they can do it. Mm-hmm. The only difference was when, when creators, and this is the disconnect, is mm-hmm. when creators make certain type of content and you put them in a different uh, type of content to create and they don't know how to create that content and mm-hmm. you're surrounded by producers that know how to create the content, but that's where the creator loses their voice. Yeah. And I, I've never seen, I think Cobra Kai is the only series that was just one that I wanted to watch mm. and, and look forward to watching, you know, from season one to season two. But any original series, I don't even think, like seriously, I don't even think there's one that I'd even liked. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and it's it, it all comes back down to, um, yes, there's a lot of money. Yes, there's a lot of money in the production. But I truly believe that the creators lose their voice because they're not used to running a you know ten camera shoot or mm-hmm. having all the stuff that's going on. And you well, know. And half of the time they don't need it, and exactly. that's the, and that's the disconnect exactly. too is that you just assume that you have to um, you know make a creator evolve into a premium space when in reality, like we talked about awkward black girl, it's like that could have lived on for a season, and no one probably would have really cared if mm-hmm. it, if it didn't look like it did on TV because um, they were like, I don't see this on TV. Exactly. I don't. This this is funny. This is relatable. I see myself in this content. Excuse me. And I think that's the same for a lot of other YouTube creators. They are building an audience and a following because they're speaking to something that people feel like they're not finding elsewhere yeah. in a lot but of ways. They, they have the so, stars. I mean, I look yeah. at it from this this thing is they have the star power and there's a lot of people wanting um, for them to create more content. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you, you take an A-lister Hollywood actor and put him against uh, a bigger YouTuber, and it's like not even comparatively close. No, not you know the the engagement is off you know off the off the charts. And I have I have teenagers, and mm-hmm. they don't watch they don't watch movies. I mean, they they might watch a Marvel movie every once in a while or something like that. They don't watch TV, you know, but they do consume. YouTube. Oh, like, absolutely. Just, I mean, that's all they consume. I, mean, I have a nine-year-old niece who now has grown up since 2010. She was born in August mm-hmm. 2010, so yeah. she's part of my my digital journey. But she's grown up watching YouTube, right? Like I see her maneuver her iPad in a way that I'm just like, I don't understand. And watching <laughs> stuff and having conversations with me about stuff she's watching that I'm just like, I don't. I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. And you know, and then, but it's it's an amazement because I. I have to have an adult conversation with them where I'm like, how are you finding this? And she's just click, 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 yeah. click, click, click. It's and amazing. then finds the things that she loves it, and knows how to go back to it later. My three-year-old, so my yeah. three-year-old can navigate the, the the YouTube app better than I can. Yeah. I mean, well, 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 she knows how that, to do certain things that I don't know how to do either. I mean, that's not much just, Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but, you know, going, going back to, you know, YouTube, you know, trying to get into that premium content, you know, personally, I think – they're killing it when it comes to daytime or like mm. like unscripted if you think about it like mm-hmm. yeah. reality like, tape, so. so 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 you see all these like podcasts like like for example Joe Rogan mm-hmm. or, or, or or H3H3 the numbers that they're getting and the engagement that they're getting is, is putting a lot of daytime shows to shame and mm-hmm. I think it, it's going to be a replacement of a lot of you know daytime content out there and then Absolutely. you see Ellen Mm-hmm. When she uploads to YouTube, it goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, which is, I think, some of the reasons why they beat the Lenos and the Lettermans back in the day is because they adopted this platform and the algorithm is really benefiting those types of shows. And I think that trend is going to continue. But in order to get to like the scripted content and to, to thrive there, one thing when, when, when YouTube went into YouTube Premium or YouTube Red, they kind of, I, I believe... F- was disregarding their history. Mm. You know, their history, their history was decentralization of content when they were taking a very centralization approach. And, and, and also a lot of people are on that platform to consume as much content as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to go toe to toe apples to apples with the SVOD, you know, streaming platforms. In order for them to get to that area, I think what's going to have to happen. And I think this would be kind of cool 
if they were to acquire one of those huge S5 platforms, let's mm-hmm. say if YouTube acquired Netflix, which would be a crazy huge, huge uh, acquisition. Which that would, always gives me maybe, a headache maybe, just because <laughs> of the Netflix content but, that's everybody yeah. having well, So this is the thing. It might improve both worlds. So, so, so think about it. Netflix obviously does have a handle on getting some good content out there like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe what would happen okay, name is... A, name another series. For, well, real quick, hurry. <laughs> House of Cards. Uh, uh, right. Okay, no. You have two. <laughs> That's all they have. two. No, there's a good handful. No, no, it's actually like four and a half. Okay. Yeah, four and a half. But, but, with, that, but, but with, with that said, you know, they're killing it. They're, they're, they're still growing. Right. And so if it could be one of those things that could like tie back to YouTube and then YouTube would have an algorithm like, okay, this content that's being produced or created on, on YouTube should now start surfacing into like Netflix. Like, right. I mean, I mean, I mean, where, where you kind of like let it do its own thing, but it could be another way of like making so um, Netflix is more consistent and gets mm-hmm. a lot more good content and a, a bigger variety of content. Yeah. I mean, I, I think an acquisition like that is what would really make this work. Yeah. What do you guys think about, um, and, and I was dying to bring this up earlier in your debate, but um, Quibi. Have you guys talked about Quibi? I know you've talked about Quibi. So, so I, because, and, Ricky, and because to your point, yeah. that is the only thing that I'm like, eh, ah, mm, but then there's like, uh, you know, like it's yeah. just, there's a lot of things. But I could foresee a future where, if anything, Quibi is designed and developed to be acquired and to be sold into a different ecosystem somehow. Right. Like I, I see that, like I was like, I can't see this becoming its own YouTube, but right. I could see this leading its way into what YouTube wanted to do in short form premium programming, right? And in the mobile space, but also just more so about um, just the quick bites. I hate that. But the quick bites. Um, but, but think about, like, in my mind, when I saw the announcement of Quibi, I was like, oh, this is what YouTube should have been de- doing for a lot of their premium content creators, right? right. Like allowing right. a separate space that really um, kind of puts them on a platform and promotes their work, but also allows them to continue to do what they're doing. The downside with Quibi is that it is very centralized and, and Hollywood in a system of, like, we're going to spend a lot of money making, like, splashly, highly produced content. But with all these celebrities, but will people watch? You know, yeah. from a brand integration, product placement perspective, we're, we're we're already getting ready to start testing a lot of stuff on Quibi. I mean, we're we're on all the platforms mm-hmm. from Quibi to Apple to um, a lot of the different S fods. Um, my personal opinion, I, I they have the right team. They they have some very strong entertainment executives, but my question is, are they platform executives? Mm-hmm. Um, um, they they know how to create content and do all the content deals, and 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 it seems like they have a good roster of content coming mm-hmm. on. Um, but my question is, are they really going to be able to grow and compete with the other platforms out there? Um, do they know who they need to be targeting and how to target them? Is is their content relevant to that audience? Mm-hmm. And and I and I guess my my question is 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 it going to be successful or is it going to be one of those things where they're going to be forced just to selling their content to another they're, they're going to be forced and yeah. the reason why they're going to be forced is because gen z they they want certain type of content and i can tell you i spend so much time trying to figure out what they want because that's the main consumer mm-hmm. of of online video yes. right and i can tell you that they just they they like the shows that they like they like the creators that they like and the people that they're pulling in right now like it, it's a disconnect, you mm-hmm. know, it's a disconnect with that audience. And those are going to be the early adopters. Those are the ones that are going to be, Hey, this is yeah, really cool. Look at Snapchat. Exactly. Look at all these other like, you know, video pro- uh, uh, platforms that did well, but it's because they were able to talk to the audience. And I also, my argument for Snapchat, the old Snapchat was yeah. always that. The old Snapchat, uh, the old old Snapchat. Snapchat before was, the old people got into there. <laughs> um, but it was because it, it was a creator enabled platform in some yeah. ways, right? It yeah. allowed Generation Z to take a thing and say, Oh, let me document my daily life and like have fun with these filters and watch other people people's videos throughout their day, which was, you know, like Instagram tried to adopt that, that, that feeling, but it was almost like this, this uh, version of social media meets YouTube for people just every day, right? Exactly. Like, and, that, exactly. and, and allow them to just create their own content in, in a weird way, whether that looks like. Yeah. And the issue with Snapchat is I think they're, they're slow moving. Um, on, on, on really catering to the, the content creator. Yeah. Um, and then I think they put a lot of betting into having a centralized approach, you know, yeah. creating their own original content yeah. when, when really they should have been, really been focused on empowering the, the content the creators. creators that were there. Because, yeah. like, for example, when, when our company were, you know, we spend tens of millions of dollars a year on doing integrations, when we saw that um, Instagram started, you know, uh, you know their stories, and then that they had a swipe up option. 
we immediately took all of you know the focus from Snapchat and put it over to Instagram because we could you know have more data mm-hmm. and we can we can you know measure you know from views to conversions and, and or, or or to clicks even and that's something that you couldn't do on 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 Snapchat and it yeah. took Snapchat a while to, be, to figure out like oh whoa there's a lot of engagement st- slowing down yeah. here and I think it's because. People are monetizing better on Instagram. Well, yeah. well, that and, 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 and they're able to grow their other audiences yeah. through Instagram as well, well. And like you said, Snapchat was slow. And then they were also very much like, oh, let's get scripted content. In here. Yeah. How does that work out? Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do what the other people are doing. And really, and, and I, think that's, I think that's a principle in business that everyone needs to figure, I mean, realize. Yeah. Look at what's working. And, and optimize and innovate mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and make it scale even further. Yeah. And, 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 and so like, like for example, you know, you see all these different businesses that have these startup CEOs that just think, Oh, I want to do a thousand different things all at once. Mm-hmm. Those are the businesses that sometimes fail and, 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 and end up not being very successful in the end. And it's because they lose their focus. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they stop being in touch with what their consumers or what their audience wants. And, and they, they, they go down a, a path that's not data driven, but I mean, well, maybe they think it is data driven, but it's they're obviously looking at the wrong data. Yeah, they're, looking, they're looking at the wrong data and they should be looking at what's happening and what's being successful there and making that their first priority. I mean, there was, there was a time where there's someone at Snapchat that mentioned to me that they didn't see themselves as like a social network or, or they saw them as technology for cameras. That, uh, that, like, that is so, that is so awesome. Whoever said that should have been fired. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 there, there, there's a panel where, where we're talking about this and, um, a former client of ours, you know, you know, felt very passionately that they were uh, a technology for for a camera. There we go. And I was just like, if, if this is oh, something yeah. that's really coming from like from Snapchat, they have lost their uh, way. They were yeah. like, no, no, Samsung's gonna buy us out. We know, we know, <laughs> we got, we got, we got, we got this. going on. <laughs> so strange. Yeah. So, so being that you guys have been successful with Insecure on HBO, yes. Um, do you guys feel like you have more clout and 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 more, I guess, empowerment to Are do things faster? Secure? Are you more secure? Are you more secure? I like that pun. Um, Yes, I mean it's 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 an interesting journey, right? I think uh, so. We have a show that's uh, that just the trailer just dropped on Sunday. New HBO show. It's actually our next uh, show after Insecure through the HBO deal uh, called A Black Lady Sketch Show. Um, that will be revolutionary in its own way because it's written, produced, starring, directed, um, and created by all black women and it'll oh, premiere great. on HBO on August 2nd awesome. um, and the trailer oh, awesome. just dropped Congrats. on Sunday oh, um, wow. thank you and was really really buzzy and so um, a lot of celebrity guest stars but also just this idea that um, you know a sketch show like this has never existed on television ever right and um, and it will, will be our follow-up on, on our HBO deal and that's exciting in the fact that we're even able to do a show like that there right and be able to say this is what we want to do and Issa really kind of uh, championing that and them allowing it. And so I think um, it has been three years of, of being there and trying and developing numerous other shows that are just in the HBO development purgatory and that at some point will uh, move along. But um, we've seen as we go out to market with like, especially on the feature side, people are dying for us to get in features. And so we're really trying to take advantage, I think, of the opportunity we have. But I think with um, the thing I respect and the reason why I've worked with Issa so long is that she is still creator first. You know, she's still very writer centric and and is always thinking of um, how do we disrupt and create opportunities and access for not just ourselves, but for all the other creators we've met along the way, because they're just as talented. But historically, they've met just, if not the same, if not more barriers than we have, right, in terms of crossing over into scripted and into the Hollywood system who um, traditionally looks at digital and looks at YouTube content as like they're too green or they don't, you know, right, they don't know right. our, our way of doing things. And it, and it is hard, right? It's a transition that is a learning curve that I, I think honestly took us about a year just by Insecure alone. Um, figuring that out. And then once we figured it out, we were like, oh, we got this. And <laughs> I, I joke now when people kind of look at our, uh, we actually have two production companies. And so when they, um, the Color Creative and, and Issa Rae Productions. And so when um, people ask us to define our genre, our brand, and I say, well, 
hey, we're genre agnostic, like just because we have Insecure or Black Lady Sketch Show doesn't mean we're only doing comedy. We're just looking for great storytellers. And we also look at ourselves as a company as kind of revolutionaries in the sense that um, neither of us came up through the agency world. We didn't start as an assistant and grow in Hollywood right, right. and then launched our production companies with all these contacts. I was like, we look at the way you guys are doing things very differently. right? <laughs> we look at it as outsiders. And I, I coined the term untraditionalist because I'm like, guys, we came from the digital space. We came from not having any restrictions. And so when we look at a model um, or a development system, we're like, why, why do you, that's so silly. Like, why, is it, why do you <laughs> do it that way? we've been doing that way for a hundred years. Yeah, right? <laughs> but you're just like, but you also see the resistances change, right? Yeah, you, you see yeah. them, like, I mean, look at what's happening in the LTT space just now after they were like, we'll let Netflix do their thing. And then after a while, they're like, oh shit, they're, yeah. if we don't create our own space, then we're going to get beat with these guys. And, and it was a very, um, very day and old Hollywood approach of like, let's sit back and watch them fail or watch them like beat us. And then we're going to figure out how to do it and do it better. Right. Um, and so we're just in this really weird in between space where we talked about the convergence of industries that I'm probably most excited for, given my background, because I'm like, oh, I tell people we don't really know what the future of, uh, of entertainment is truly going to look like in this space until the rest of these OTTs launch. We right. have about three or four of them. And, you know, I feel like one gets announced, announced every month. <laughs> 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 they all have tentative launch dates, but um, it's going to be about two years before they're all out there. And yeah. once they're all out there, what are their audiences? Who's watching? How are they promoting their own brands? And they don't I, know. I guarantee, they don't know. I guarantee you this. There's a lot of money that's going to be lost. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> a lot. Well, well, that and I was like, who's going to be the winner? Winners and who are going to be the losers because they, so can, many, they can't all be there's successful. There's only so many eyeballs. Like, can, exactly. exactly. And where are they going to come on? Well, that and there's a point where the average consumer, when they look at their their bills and say, well, "I'm paying two hundred dollars for like twenty OTT subscriptions when I only watch two, exactly. I don't want that, right? Because now the whole reason why I cut the cord was because of the lower cost, and now you're you're forcing a consumer to really pick and choose where they want to watch content. And what if their favorite show, like Insecure, because it's only on HBO, will they keep HBO year in year out once Insecure? off the air, right? Or will they say, well, let me keep the $12 a month and just see what else they have. And if the, if the content's not there for them, they won't say attach. And so I, I do wonder, um, um, and it, it's, it's TBD, but it's like, will OTTs become just moving into the niche market space, yeah. right? Because it's like, that's the only way I think you're going to truly capture a consumer facing audience in a way of like saying, let's build, I mean, BET finally just announced an OTT app. And I was like, I mean, guys, you're the only ones who've had this audience for who knows how long and no one's been able to beat you. Yeah. But now you're so slow to get out the space because I joke and say, well, Insecure or in Atlanta should have been on a BET, yeah. but you guys didn't have a, a, a platform to have this premium um, content. And on top of that, you were still connected to cable and not yeah. in the in the digital space, right? So anyways, I can rant about this forever, well, but there's that's... a lot there's a lot of um, networks right now in broadcast. Oh yeah. That I mean people aren't talking about this and I'm not gonna mention any numbers that I know. But they're, they're, <laughs> okay, they're, 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 they're people talk about this, but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, yeah. But no, but no, no, but, but no. There's a lot of different like TV networks say it. that are seeing more views on their streaming platforms. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, on their own yeah. branded streaming platforms yeah. that I never heard of before. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, so this is like one of those things where like BET, they definitely should be well, getting on this here, or making a partnership. Mm -hmm. You know, with, with one of the other networks. Speculative. It's like. Are Nielsen ratings this? You know, Ugh, and Nielsen, like, and Nielsen on, is just been like survey like ten people. You know, yeah. right? <laughs> but the digital, like you can see who consumes it, how long they consume it, where they jump off, mm -hmm. if they come back, if they come back frequently. You know, there's all this data that they're able to do, and so of course they're going to see they're going to have more viewers because what was said before was all speculative. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. not, it's so true. It's not. You, not, you not can't real. beat the precision exactly. of, of what the numbers and the data is going to tell yeah. you, which is also why I think you'll be able to find an audience much more easier. But then the truth is, is like how do you how do you create a, this entire platform with hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of content mm -hmm. catered to an audience and say? What do you want to watch here? You know yeah. what I mean? Because all of them are launching with their IP. They're all going to be built on their IP. Disney, so, mm -hmm. Warner Brothers, all of them. So, so let's take a step and, back. And it has so, to all be on demand. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I remember, was, was it The Walking Dead when it first came out? Or was it... Um, oh, The Walking Dead. Oh, I used goodness. to miss that. Or maybe it was Breaking Bad. But I remember just like looking online like, 
where can no, I watch this the, on demand? The Walking Dead got a lot of my money because yeah. I used to miss the live viewing because it was on a weekday. Uh-huh. And, you get it. <laughs> and I would, the only place I could watch it was I had to rent it on Amazon. So I'd rent the $1.99 for every episode I'd miss. Right. And there was a point but where it was, worth it, though. it was worth it. And at the end of the season, I was like, damn it, I should have bought the season pass because I didn't realize every episode I was renting to catch up. It's fine. It's fine. So, so back to the ET. And I think this yes. is a really important point. Um, so they have a massive catalog of, of great content mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's niche driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at it, okay, let's start, let's start our own platform and go that direction. But why haven't they been doing anything like on, on YouTube? I, I look at, yeah. I look at WWE, they get almost a billion video views a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, translate that for a minute, Yeah, <laughs> a billion. And yet it just seeds for all the stuff that they're doing. And I like, it just, baffles me that they don't even do that yeah well it's the same as almost like mtv right where right. i was just like i don't know mtv you should emerge with awesomeness when you had the chance yeah. because that's where your audience went right yeah. and so with bet especially i really don't know where the disconnect was because they've Which never they been acquired them right yeah. like i've acquired awesomeness <laughs> Wait, was that was yeah, who they even yeah, just sold to, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. but so also in a way, for like, like, kind of like a quarter, but also, and then it's they're like, a little yeah, and it's yeah. a little too late, like, for, and also well, yeah, for a quarter for sure. of the, <laughs> oh, for sure, of their value that they were. Uh, it, it's very petty, um, but yeah, but BT, it's like I don't know where the disconnect was. Where I don't know if they were um, just didn't know the digital space and how to move that. But it's also the same way. I look at them, where only in the last two or three years is when they finally got into scripted content, right? So you kind of were just like, I don't know, BT, what were you doing for the last decade when everyone's moved into scripted? Um, they're kind of the last people to get into it. Um, yeah. And personally, I don't necessarily blame the network as much as I look at the bigger corporation structure and look at Viacom and say, well, I just don't think you knew what to do with any of these brands. And yeah. you let them kind of just sit there for this in, in the t- sense of the 2000s, honestly, um, because you look at what MTV kind of how like they declined as well in terms of just like losing that audience, losing their core brand. And you just kind of go, what the fuck? Like you guys were ahead but, of the curve and you should have been able to transition. And that's the whole thing is like just saying, oh, you can only see our stuff on our platform that needs to change yeah. because you're going to die when that happens the resistance to that yeah exactly because it's like no we should be on snapchat we should mm-hmm. be on instagram we should be on youtube we should be on facebook we got to be to the audience where they're at and then for them to get the premium stuff guess where they need to go guys i mean the look platform. at yeah and look at hbo i think hbo is like the best case study for that because they did it in the right way right when they launch hbo go hbo now first of all people were like i don't get the difference and then secondly um i still don't get the difference <laughs> Um, but then secondly, they, they launched at a time before anybody else was out there. I mean, you only had Netflix and Hulu, and then I think Amazon had just got in the video space, but they, right. they launched knowing that, okay, if we keep our audience trapped in the subscription cable space, like we're going to die, right? We're going to be eaten up by our competitors, by Netflix or whoever. And so they launched their own OTT space, which was like the smartest thing for a smaller premium cabler to do for a subscription base, because it was like Showtime had, didn't have that yet. Stars didn't have that yet right and so they just i think they were smart when they got into it because mm-hmm. now they they have so much more leverage with their shows and, yeah. and like I, even game of thrones i'm just like if you didn't have that you would have like lost so much of that it'll, right. it'll be interesting to see how long their partnership with amazon lasts because i mean that's that, i mean i do amazon so i can get both hbo and showtime oh yeah well that oh you can have it's like hulu now they all have the add-on yeah. subscriptions yeah. but there's a point where they're gonna say no no no, 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 it's just, just yep. our thing. It's, um, it's good enough. Yeah. But I also wonder how much um, the rise of, like, the Sling TVs and the and the other um, OTT bundlers will do, mm-hmm. um, and even Roku to a certain extent. I actually joked to someone. I was like, guys, I'm in the wrong space. I should have gotten into the platform space yeah. because that's that's the, the, the true competitive nature. It's like Roku, Apple TV, and, Google, and Fire Stick. That's it, right? Yeah, and so yeah. I was like, man, um, someone needs to come up with the, the all-in-one place because there's going to be so many apps now that but you you'd you miss the creation it. though, like, think, you know, the creative <laughs> process. I would, I'd be like facing these. Okay, now we got to create something. Right, right. Um, yeah. Now, now, oh, I mean, one one thing I want to do before we wrap up is. Um, no, talk to you about. Um, I looked at the camera. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Screw that up. You're like, I call hey. myself out. <laughs> Daryl always tells me not to look at the camera. I just did it. Not to look so, at the camera. <laughs> so, so uh, tell us more about Color Creative. Like, you know, how you guys were inspired to start that, and yes. and how that's going. And I think I, I introduced you the wrong way. I think I said Color Creative Foundation. <laughs> which, which, sorry it's, about that. No, no, it's fine. Ricky I mean, likes to add certain things. things. <laughs> 
to everything. <laughs> a ton. Um, I will accept that. There will be a foundation one day. Who knows? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but essentially the idea was born out of Issa coming through that ABC development space, right? She was like, uh, it's archaic, it's this awful, it doesn't support your voice, and doesn't support creators. And she came to me and said, um, she had read a, a woman's web series script that got sent to her that she read and thought it was hilarious and was like, this should be a pilot, though, and came to me and said, could we shoot this as a pilot? And I was like, yeah, as a half-hour comedy, like, it's a short film, like, we can go take 50 grand and go shoot it as such, right, and call it a pilot. And so um, she was like, okay, well, let's think on that some more, and then came to me and said, should we do more than one? And we ended up saying, let's do three. And so the, the genesis of Color Creative was in 2014 when we decided that we were going to fund, produce, and develop these three half-hour comedy pilots by unknown creators, by unknown writers. And the whole idea was to say, we want to create a, a space that supports their voices, supports the so work, cool. and at the same time, um, hopefully creates access and opportunities, if not just for the projects, to go and land in, tr in the traditional space, but just for their careers, right? Just to be able to get their work seen and heard um, and create a pipeline of sorts. And so um, we couldn't get, I remember we shopped around, we tried to talk to some brands, we met with some people in Hollywood, and everyone was like, oh, that's so cute what you're doing. That's nice. um, yeah, like no one, no one wanted to play with this. And also, our focus is on underrepresented uh, voices, right? So we specifically look at women and, and minority writers and say, like, these are the most underserved voices in the traditional space. And so that's what our, our focus is. And um, and I say that because 2014, this is before Oscar So White, before me too, before everyone now, everyone, the coin word is diversity and inclusion, right? right. Mm -hmm. Before no one wanted to even like bat an eye about it. So um, Issa decided to self-fund it. And she was like, fuck it, I'm just going to spend my own money and mm -hmm. we're going to go and make these pilots. And so we did. And that was what the birth was of the company. And I remember being like, what are we calling this? And Issa was like, oh, I like the name Color Creative. And so um, <laughs> that's the name that stuck. And so um, I tell the, the the origin story because since then in five years, it really has evolved in more ways than one. I mean, the core of the mission has stayed the same, but we really look at ways to disrupt um, what we see as uh, the traditional pillars of Hollywood that should not be there, right? right. And so one example is um, I had a friend at Columbia Studios who said, hey, do you guys want to come um, and do some work here? Because, you know, I'm tired of hearing all of my executives say they don't know where to find um, new voices of color in the feature film space, in the studio space. And I know that does that's a myth, and I know you guys know and have your pulse on other creators we should be looking at. Um, should we create a, create a partnership? And so what we did is create this kind of production deal, it's a development production deal, where we get to bring them five new voices who have original feature ideas, who are paid from the studio to develop that script, and we're producers um, who are helping to develop each, each project, um, and for 12 months, take them through the traditional studio system of developing a feature with the studio, um, with the potential commitment to get greenlit afterwards. That's and awesome. so um, it's a win-win for everyone. The, you know, the studio looks great, um, we get to build a slate of five films with one place, um, non-exclusively, and also get to create, hopefully, a pipeline for five new voices to be in the studio space, right? And so... Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and it's trying to craft, like, deals that we're like... And people are like, how'd you make that happen? And we're like, I don't know, we asked for it. We figured it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. why, like why do you we, guys we think there's rules? We didn't do it traditionally. No. <laughs> well, that and, and I joke, and I say, guys, the, the, tr the funny thing about Hollywood, the funniest thing to me is that when I look at these rules, I'm like, oh, there's no like there's no governing laws of how to make films and TV, it's all just um, what based off of, uh, um, what's the word, um, or, like not origin, but it, it's all based off of what's always been done, right? right. Mm -hmm. And the minute you try to challenge a system, it's okay to either, and if someone gives you permission, great, and if someone doesn't give you permission, you just try to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the true kind of disruption that we're going to see in the Hollywood space because we're just like, I don't know, we're just going to ask for it and we'll figure it out. So. Well, I, I know you guys are all like, I mean, here at the office, I've been, you know, we're huge fans of everything that you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. And 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 I'm I'm excited to see in ten years because we're gonna be seeing a lot more disruption. We're gonna be oh, seeing yeah. a lot more change. Um, I mean, we're seeing so much change right now that we can't really comprehend it. No, there's just so much going I'm on. Like, I don't know where, where there's we're so gonna much end content. Up. There's millions of pieces of content being uploaded every day. Um, we we don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. But I, I know that you guys are gonna be on top. You're gonna continue just to keep being successful, and it's gonna be fun to see where things are in like ten years and the empire that you guys have built. Thank you. So I, it's gonna be I exciting. hope it's an empire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it is. I, I I mean, so. With how, how much time you guys have been in this space and 
you know, quickly going from like YouTube to like HBO, like that's very impressive. It never happens. Yeah. And and I think it's I mean that sort of thing is going to be be a consistent pattern. Yeah. I think I think a lot of these platforms are going to be much smarter, and the studios are going to be much more data driven to really empower people like yourselves. Yeah. And I think it's going to hopefully you know be the norm in the next five to ten years. We let's hope so. Like one would think, because they all want to be more inclusive, and we're like, guys, there's a lot of people over here there's on the show that you're not you're not looking at who are creating great content and who have the voices you're looking for. But whether or not they'll do the work to help, like shepherd them, develop them, that's that's the big question mark, right? Because the executives are kind of lazy and they don't want to do that work. So, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the truth. She just speaks the truth. <laughs> Uh, I'll probably get no work after this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay no one watches our podcast anyway. It's, it's, it's still in the beginning phase. <laughs> hey, people watch it. This is not a lot of people that watch it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming of course, on. Guys. I really, really do appreciate it. I know it's been a great you know, discussion. Um, the last question that we need to ask you is something yes. that we ask all our guests. What do you see right now that's disrupting the industry that gets you to take a step back and says, hmm, this is where it's going in the future? Oh, interesting. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind, and this is up, up for debate for another episode, um, but I'm really interested in what the podcast space is doing for audio. And yeah. also not just audio, but I mean that in terms of music, in terms of scripted content, unscripted content, um, and where that's leading. And that's mostly because I've seen the the rise of it in the last even five years, and it's only incrementally have gotten um, larger, right? And so mm. that's probably the biggest disruption because now we've seen it overlap into Hollywood with Homecoming and other um, scripted series based off of podcasts, serial even. Yeah. Um, um, and just wondering what that space is going to look like and whether it will converge or bleed over into others, whether it'll stay isolated um, and kind of be its own YouTube kind of space. Um, so that's that's probably the most um, targeted So it's reverting back to... Radio. You're right. Like I, I think it's gonna continue to be just as prominent with video as it is with, with audio. Mm-hmm. But but with us, I mean, even though we, we just started this podcast, we're we're seeing more traction, you know, with audio. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's because, you know, uh, I'm not as well, good looking as Daryl. jump on a commute. It's, it's easy. It's really easy to get on a commute. We're, we're, like, okay. we're, we're, we're radio people. Is that right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'll think for myself. But, 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 but yeah, I, I think that's, that is interesting to be something to watch. I, I personally think it's going to not just replace a lot of like talk show radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been around for a while, but I think it is going to, re- you know, re- replace, you know, a lot of like the, the political commentators. I think a lot of it's going to be through podcasts, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to continue to even improve from a production standpoint yeah. where people are going to be able to get more creative with yeah. how they film it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's, it's going to eventually, you know, be a huge contender to late night. Yeah. Be very, that's a very, very yeah. good point. Very yes. interesting. Well, thank you yeah. so much. for Thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate it. Um, hope you have a wonderful day. Hey, Definitely. you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, hold on one sec. I gotta, I gotta do the little outro. Man, we're rusty today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's like, thank you. I'm out of here. Okay, you validate? <laughs> I need that validation. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for watching this podcast. Make sure you follow us, subscribe to us, whatever platform you're on. And we look forward to uh, connecting with you again in our next episode next week.